0: Welcome back to the podcast guys, this is the number one podcast for dads in their 40s who want to improve their health and fitness. This is episode 92 and on today's episode we're going to be speaking with Alex Manos on the subject of nutrients, what we are lacking and how we can ensure we're getting them in our diet. Alex is a certified functional medicine practitioner with an MSc in personalized nutrition and various qualifications in personal training and performance enhancement. Hi Alex, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you?
1: I am very well, thank you Darren. How are you?
0: Yeah, very well indeed. Thanks very much. And we were just talking before we started recording that it's been, it seems like it's been a long time since, since we last spoke and uh, but time has flown quite quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it really has. I think that kind of, certainly for me at the moment, the monotonous of of every day just being (laughs) the same. I think that for me, we get to Friday. It's like, oh, my God, it's Friday again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that, the monotony side of it, because, you know, the funny thing is, is that in the last lockdown, and I think it was very much due to the time of year it happened because it was sunny, it was warm and I really have felt it this time. And generally, mm. I'm extremely positive, upbeat person. And just this time over the last couple of weeks, I felt like, wow, you know, this is really starting to kind of drain on me now. So yeah, so yeah it is, it does feel it is the monotony. Um, but I, you know, again, I, you know, I always want to try and take the positives out of it. The fact that, I haven't been affected the fact that we're all healthy you know that kind mm, of
1: thing yeah definitely i think it is sometimes isn't it focusing on those little or quite frankly big things um that we can be grateful for
0: yeah definitely so obviously when we spoke last time um we had uh, you guys on from exhale so how is it going at exhale how's how's, um, how's it all developing
1: yeah it's going really well um so i think there's been a really great kind of uh reception ultimately you know it's one of those things coffee lovers love their coffee obviously um so it's one of those things but it's going really well there's been a, a couple of great sort of press releases in sort of national papers which has been really beneficial for the business and I know yeah. Alex is just crazy busy at yeah, the moment yeah. so yeah it, it's fun and exciting times definitely
0: yeah awesome yeah and it's really good to see as well and I think you know timing in and and a lot of these things is very important and obviously there's a huge focus on health right now and you know anywhere that we can like optimize a little bit of health Mm. particularly if you enjoy your coffee why wouldn't you right now right so
1: yeah and I think you know Alex had that great point of actually just making people aware of the health benefits of coffee because I had a I was speaking to a client just this morning and he generally was feeling a bit guilty for the the number of coffees he was drinking a day. So it's great to be able just to break it down and say, you know, if you take away the, the negative connotations of too much caffeine, which is what yeah. most people associate with kind of the bad or the problem elements of coffee, if you if you're not experiencing those things, then... Then great, you know, enjoy your coffee and, and mm-hmm. the sweet spot in the research in the research does seem to be kind of three to five cups a day. Yeah. Um so as long as it's not influencing your sleep quality, as long as you're not getting the kind of the jitteriness and things, yeah. Um then yeah, get yourself a, a good tasting coffee and you're good to go yeah absolutely as, as he says always,
2: here. yeah
0: exactly i've got, <laughs> I've got mine here so It's a, yeah it's always good for the soul and um yeah any of those little like we just said any of those little marginal gains we can get right now why not
1: hey exactly yeah. yeah
0: cool so for people that haven't come across you before alex can you give us a bit of background into you and kind of you know how you've got to where you're at today
1: yeah so um gosh where to start so I guess you know from a, a professional perspective I started out actually as a personal trainer and sports massage therapist mm-hmm. so straight out of university I studied with Premier Global went out to Cyprus for three months and kind of got my qualification there
2: yeah
1: um, and then be partly because of my own health issues I then went into nutritional therapy so I did a diploma with the Institute of Oxford Nutrition mm-hmm. um, that then morphed into doing a degree and then a master's in nutrition um, and it was when was it 2016 that I graduated, so to speak, from the Institute for Functional Medicine. So these days, uh, I guess I'm most known for being sort of a functional medicine practitioner with a, a background in nutrition and, and exercise, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And again, you know, I, I'm very fascinated by functional medicine. And, and interestingly, how does that how does functional medicine compare to lifestyle medicine or are they the same thing?
1: Yeah, I would say they are pretty much the same thing. So, you know, you can talk about um, functional medicine is is more of a, a US term in some ways. And I actually I would actually say that nutritional therapy to some degree is almost like the UK equivalent of functional medicine. Mm-hmm. So if I go and think how I got taught as a nutritional therapist back in 2007, I think I started. Um, yeah. It's the same kind of principles ultimately you know it's trying to understand what are the underlying imbalances that are contributing to someone 's symptoms or status of health yeah so whether whether you're talking about practicing lifestyle medicine, integrative medicine, uh, functional medicine, naturopathic medicine, right they all have I, I would say a similar theme at the the base of what they do
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely okay so that that makes perfect sense so so what on that topic then because you know, I, I don't know what. why well, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this. For me personally, now, I believe that this uh, functional medicine practice, if you, if you can call it that, and nutritional therapy is really so key to our underlying health now. And I think for me personally, this has been massively highlighted by the environment in which we're in with the virus and everything else right now. Mm. However, I do generally feel kind of, bit sorry for the wider population, because I I think in some some cases they're kind of scared off by it when you mention these big terms, functional medicine all the rest of it. Whereas for me, and I don't want to kind of generalise this too much, it's almost taking it back to basic principles. And I think we've kind of lost that knowledge, if you like, or have have we even ever had that knowledge in order to determine what we need as an individual and where we can get it from?
1: Mm such a great point and i think i would say you're right to some degree Um, it's a really tricky one i think i think at the core of a lot of the the conditions we see at epidemic levels in the modern world yeah which we now know are lifestyle driven right come from a complete disconnection with how we're meant to live our lives and i know that can sound really um, sort of a bit negative, almost a bit cynical and depressing. But it's true because we are, we're still meant to be living more of a, I guess, you know, a hunter gatherer lifestyle. And what I mean by that is we're meant to be outside a lot of the time. Yeah. We're meant to be in sunshine a lot of the time. And unfortunately, we've kind of created a bit of a society that isn't just not conducive for a kind of a natural way of living. And what we're seeing in the research is more and more of this idea that actually nature heals um, and it's this disconnection from nature, which is driving a lot of these epidemics, unfortunately. So it's it's getting that balance of how can we get back to nature a little bit more? How can we bring it into our homes? What can we do within the context of, you know, the the lives that we now live Mm. um, to try and get a better balance here? Um, because there's some really interesting research around the therapeutic benefits of light for example whether it's natural sunlight or whether it's from blue artificial light um, the health benefits of what they call grounding or earthing this idea of just getting barefoot on the ground we've now got at least 20 studies looking into this that have been published in peer-reviewed journals showing us that it's healing it has anti-inflammatory benefits it literally speeds up the healing process from injuries and things like this yeah so what better kind of evidence to suggest that we just need to be going back to a slightly more natural existence
0: yeah i completely agree with that i think it's and and when you boil it down to its basic fundamentals all of the the way in which we're supposed to live and that we can live is really basic isn't it when you think about it Um, and it's just kind of Stripping that back and understanding that. I mean, just take to pick up on your point about grounding. I started doing that about a year ago. um, And I do it every single morning, even when there's snow on the ground. Nice. And it's funny. It's just really weird because it's almost like you feel, even at half five in the morning when I'm standing in the garden, (laughs) you feel out of place because it's not a normal thing. You're kind of stepping outside of what's socially not what's perceived to be normal but I generally get a real uplift in my just my general energy levels when I do it you know I'm only doing it for like five minutes and I'm breathing doing my breath work as I'm doing it
1: yeah but
0: it's you know it's 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 those types of things isn't it which can have such a difference
1: yeah profound difference it's crazy Um, And, you know, you use the term stripping back, which I love, you know, a lot of people I've spoken to over the kind of the years have similar terms, this idea of sometimes unlearning, um, you know, what we've learned, which is sometimes a bit dysfunctional, for example. So going back to the basics of grounding, time outside, sunlight, traditional diets for maybe our kind of geographical location or ethnicity, it is, it's kind of stripping back the complexity of modern living and getting back to those kind of roots and and i think for a lot of people that's what we need because we're all leading such sort of busy distracted lives and it is it's stripping it back it's kind of coming back to the basics and trying to declutter our lives in kind of all aspects to some degree
0: yeah and i think it's great what you mentioned there about the diet being um relating to your geographical location because I recently read something about, you know, carbon footprint, reducing carbon emissions. And, and the large mm. majority of why, why certain, I guess, studies or reports are saying that, you know, the carnivore diet is, is, is killing the planet or the rest of it is because of the transportation of all of this produce around the world. And, and I distinctly remember, you know, when I was a child and we would go to the supermarket you would only have certain foods at certain times of the year. You know, for example, strawberries. You can get strawberries all year round yeah. now. And, and if you, like you said, you know, if we just stop that, that simple thing of having seasonal food when it's available, you get the diversity in your diet, you know, you get the time of year and when the crops are most that they're beneficial, don't you? And so it's yeah. things like that, isn't it? Which I think is really key.
1: Yeah. You know, the concept of seasonal living, I think is, is a really interesting one. So on that note, um, I came across a paper not that long ago. I think I even, you may have seen it because I think it was one of my Instagram posts was, um, it was around, it was looking at the Hazda tribe. Mm -hmm. Um, And for those that aren't yet familiar with them, the Hazda tribe, they're kind of microbiome. So their gut bacteria have been looked at and they're often cited as, you know, having this really abundant, diverse microbiome, one that, we probably all could sort of strive for because it's quite different to the the modern Western microbiome if you or I get our stool tested, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they looked at the microbiome over the course of a year during the dry and the wet seasons. And what they found was like these huge fluctuations in the amount of specific bacterial strains that were present in the results. Mm -hmm. So there were certain bacteria that would be abundant in the wet seasons that would literally be undetectable in the dry seasons because of the, the nature and the change of the diet and what was available to them in their local environment based on the weather, basically. So oh, you I can miss- see that. And when you go and look at other research in other areas of health, you see this, which is, you know, we are part of nature and there are seasonal variations in our own physiology as a result of the changes in the seasons. And a, an obvious one obviously would be related to circadian rhythms. Yeah. I would say, you know, we're designed to sleep longer in the winter months than the summer months. And we would have, I imagine, from a a sort of a historic evolutionary perspective. And the changes that will have in physiology, et cetera, are really profound. Mm. So it's just another example, really, of this idea of trying to get back to a slightly more natural way of living. Obviously, within the context of enjoying all the luxuries that we have in the modern world as well.
0: Yeah, and I and I think that's an important point to raise as well. You know, we're not kind of saying that it's almost you know the luxuries that we that's available to us and and the perceived bad foods, and we're not saying just kind of don't do that. We're saying have balance, almost right. Mm. Um, yeah, and live a more of a balanced life. Whereas we're kind of living, I believe, anyway, in the Western world, we're, we're kind of all one-sided right now. Um, but I I want to I want to talk to you about nutrients and 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 food and stuff like that because you know obviously you mentioned your Instagram post you put some fantastic content out and we'll we'll give Alex's um, Instagram handle out at the end because okay. it's really brilliant it's like Thank I you. learned so much and yeah I want I want to touch on the on the concept well not concept but the actual nutrients and, and nutrients in food because something that really triggers me I guess and that is when people say healthy foods right and I don't believe that there's this concept of healthy food food is just food with nutrients in it right and so it's I believe it's a slightly different approach in so much as we just need to understand what nutrients are in what foods and what they do for us you know and how we can utilize them to to optimize our health.
1: Yeah and um, I would almost take it one step further in the sense that You know, it might sound silly having a master's in personalized nutrition, but I'm not going to be very good at telling you um, what nutrients are in certain foods. Like, I can do obviously the basics, but I think you can just make it so simple when you come back to the practicality of this, which is we want the diet to be really diverse. Okay. So, from taking that perspective, you then don't have to worry necessarily as much about. You know, am I getting enough foods that are good sources of zinc or vitamin B6, et cetera? Because I just think if you do have that diverse, colorful diet, you're kind yeah. of likely taking care of a lot of these nuances that you can just, I think, overcomplicate sometimes. Mm. Um, so I think there are some general guidelines that we can consider that help with this. And then obviously there are factors that we need to consider on top of that. You know, yes, there are genetics that can come into it. So, you know, you might have a slight predisposition to needing a a higher intake of zinc, or you may struggle to convert things like beta carotene into retinoic acid or retinol sort of the preformed vitamin A and therefore you may need to consider actually eating some organ meats or supplementing some cod liver oil. Mm. So I think one of the challenges we have at the moment with nutritional therapy and and nutritional science is you can make it so complicated. Yeah. And you can make it sound like such a precise science and to some degree it is, but it's also a really um, complex gray art at the Mm. same time, this idea that it's as much an art as it is a science. And I just find that sometimes when people do go down these deep rabbit holes of trying to understand all of the cellular pathways and figuring out the exact amount they need to take of things, um, it just gets overwhelming. And sometimes people are left feeling quite anxious as well as a result. So, you know, the idea of eating a rainbow a day, Mm. eating all the different colored food groups, at least one portion, every day is a way of getting some of these phytochemicals or phytonutrients into the diet. Um, Meaning, obviously we've got our vitamins and our minerals that everyone is very familiar with. Not everyone is familiar with this idea of phytonutrients, which are just plant-based compounds is the easiest way to describe them, um, found uh, in our fruit, in our vegetables, to some degree in our grains, they're in the plant kingdom, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if we're just getting that diversity on board, perhaps if we're going back to our previous topic around within the seasons, yeah. um, then that's almost like a box ticked. You know, you're getting that yeah. diversity of phytonutrients into it. Mm. Um, and then a lot of people will talk about, and different numbers are used here, but something like 30 or 40 different plant foods per week you're consuming so fruit, veg, nuts, seeds, herbs, spices, legumes, lentils, pulses and beans I think are all pretty much all of them so 30 different ones of those at least every week so you've got this diversity from a dietary perspective that then has an impact on the diversity of the microbiome And a lot of us are becoming very aware of the role that the microbiome plays in systemic health for different reasons. So, you know, you're kind of saying, well, if you're doing these things, you can rest assured that you're doing a lot well. Mm. Um, And then yes, you can then start to kind of overthink it a little bit. Um, But with that in mind, if you've got some good quality animal produce in there as well, obviously, so some good quality red meat, some eggs, some oily fish, You've got a, the the framework of a really great diet there, then.
0: Yeah, and that makes sense. And I think you're absolutely right. I think, and I think that's why sometimes people just just not give up, but they they don't pay attention to a balanced diet because from their perspective, it's very complicated, it's unclear, and I think, like you said, I, I think I guess it depends on your disposition on how far you want to take it, doesn't it? If you are just looking at this from a standpoint of I want to improve my diet. How do I improve my diet? Well, you know, you said seasonal, seasonal eating almost and eating a rainbow, you know, when you look at your plate, if it's the colours mm. of a rainbow. You're pretty much covering, you know, most things there.
1: Yeah. And again, I, I'm, I really like to sort of look at the 30,000 foot view. So, you know, let's just take maybe longevity or kind of just hel- yeah. a healthy long life. And you've got things like grip strength being associated with longevity. So, you know, what's your strength like? Are you doing any strength training in your week? Mm. Um, You've got coffee, which has been associated with longevity and all sorts of other health benefits. Yeah. Um, You've got socialization, you know, are you around people? Are you feeling comfortable? Do you have strong relationships? Um, There are so many variables that all feed into this and, and diet's just one small part of it. Yeah. So again, it comes back to this idea of are we kind of sometimes overcomplicating this element of things and not paying as much attention as we should to all the other parts of kind of, I guess, the human existence, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and I also sometimes I have to remind myself this, like I always I look back to my granddads and I say this to clients sometimes. So you know, if you're ever getting overwhelmed, just think back to your grandparents and, and what their lives and how they were eating. So yeah. it wasn't rocket science. He didn't have this perfect diet, but he lived uh-huh. a long, healthy life and passed away in his sleep. Yeah. Um, but he still enjoyed fish and chips from the local chippy every Friday evening. Uh, there was balance there. Yeah. Um, but he was a farmer, so he was outside a lot. Um, he was in the fresh air. He was physically active. He probably had a strong grip most of his life and things yeah. like this. So it's it's just chipping away at all these different areas. and yeah. And I guess taking peace of mind that you're you're doing that Mm.
0: yeah and i think that's a good point you know we we do focus on the nutrition side of things and in some ways fitness as well but like you said there are a whole host of other things you know the the human connection oxytocin that happens Mm. when we have that connection with humans obviously right now it's a little bit more challenging to do that but things like for for kind of stress relief or ease of stress is is grounding breath work. I mean, you know, the the funny thing is, is I only was introduced to this about 18 months ago. And when I used to talk to people about breath work, they look at you like you were absolutely (laughs) crazy, you know, but we do lose that function of being able to breathe properly, like nasal only breathing, you know, the way that we're designed to breathe. And if you add those elements and another area that I'm particularly interested in right now, and that's functional mobility, that's not heavy hard-hitting fitness It's being able to move in the way that we were designed and you know if you look at 18 month year old children they're a perfect example of how mm. we're supposed to move yet obviously as we evolve and we grow up we lose that ability to have that flexibility that mobility which i believe and you can correct me if i'm wrong is is key to longevity as as we get older
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's this idea that when we're old especially if we're living on our own, we, we kind of need the capacity to be able to get up off the floor if we fall mm. over, you know, from a, just a very fundamental practical perspective. So that mobility and stability and strength are just fundamental comp- components of a healthy life. And that then feeds into, you know, a whole conversation around resilience, ultimately, as well. Yeah. Um, there's an amazing paper that discusses the term acquired resilience, which is this mm. idea that, Um, Like we have acquired immunity. So if we get exposed to a bug, the next time we're exposed, we have a a more rapid and more efficient immune response to it sometimes. Um, The same is true for resilience. So a very simple example, you go to the gym, you pump your weights, you're breaking down muscle fibers, they come back stronger, and you become stronger. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with any other area of, of living, ultimately. So in this paper called Discussing Acquired Resilience, they talk about being exposed to the elements, you know, being in cold environments, being in hot environments, which in the modern day might be, you know, putting your feet in the snow when it's snowing outside or or having a sauna and doing some sauna therapy. Mm. They spoke about physical exercise and how that's just been part of how humans have uh, developed resilience. They spoke about sunshine. They spoke about fasting because we were just forced to fast during the evolutionary process. Um, And then they spoke about these phytochemicals. So they right. spoke about the, the examples they gave were things like curcumin and resveratrol. Um, often people use red wine as an example, but obviously it's in fruits and vegetables as well. Yeah. And the idea of these phytochemicals is they are produced by plants in response to the plants' stresses, right. uh, sunlight, cold weather, insects, etc. So actually one of the ideas is when we're then consuming these plants that have these phytochemicals in there, they are having the same sort of benefit for us so it's this idea of building resilience uh, through consuming these things so it's kind of like again it how beautiful is that connection between nature and, and what we're consuming yeah. Um, so yeah it's really interesting
0: yeah it is very interesting and obviously on resilience as well there's there's mental resilience as well now you know particularly at times like we're in now is having that resilience to 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 be okay with stuff not being okay you know i was talking to you before we started to to kind of record and that was you know I've been feeling it over the last couple of weeks you know been feeling that it's this is weighing on us now this lockdown and things like that and we're not used to having this this kind of mental challenge where we have have to stay in one place or have to do certain things so how would you what would you say people can do to kind of improve their mental resilience or at least just acknowledge that that's what's happening
1: oh that's a good question so I mean, I guess an interesting word you use there is acknowledge. Mm. So I guess in some ways the first step is is just that is actually to acknowledge that I'm struggling, I'm suffering. There's something going on yeah. because it's it sounds a bit weird, but you know, working with clients who often have some degree of chronic illness going on, and as a result, often have a degree of um, anxiety or let's just call it distress as a result. Mm-hmm um we can distract ourselves from the suffering we are experiencing and sometimes that can be helpful but sometimes we firstly just need to sit down and acknowledge that we are suffering yeah Uh, so i I think that's a great way that you kind of ask that and that's the first one which kind of then brings you into almost you know practicing mindfulness in some shape or form um and having a degree of self-compassion so self-compassion um I spoke to Dr. Chris Germer once about this, who's one of like the researchers on self-compassion and and they broke it down as self-kindness. So being kind to ourselves, just stop beating ourselves up, putting pressure on ourselves. What what kind of expectations are we having that we might not be able to meet as an easy example? Yeah. Uh, Part of self-compassion is mindfulness. So we need to be aware of the inner dialogue that is going on. What is that inner chatter? And actually is that contributing to the way that we're feeling? Yeah, um, And the third is a sense of common humanity, which I guess in the last year is, is a huge factor because a sense of common humanity is this idea that we're all going through our own stuff. Yeah. Um, and when we're struggling with our own stuff, we can often forget that actually everyone else is as well, even if Instagram isn't showing it. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's this idea that actually we need to remind ourselves that, you know, we are all processing we all do have baggage mm. some people might be more aware of it than others but it's it's all there for all of us and you know i have a colleague who may makes the great point which is we have all been traumatized by the last year yeah like there's no way you can't be ultimately no. so we're all having to deal with that to different levels ultimately so having that awareness consciously cultivating a sense of self-kindness um consciously cultivating the sense of common humanity we're going through this together especially Mm. this last year yeah um and i think sometimes it can be that simple and again it can be more complicated dependent on someone's backstory Mm. um but for me just holding things lightly and being softer on ourselves yeah and just you know taking that sigh of relief and being like okay you know i don't the house doesn't have to look perfect, um, mm-hmm. as you know. A, a common challenge many of us will be having, especially being housebound for so long. Yeah. So sometimes I think it can be taking the pressure off ourselves and having a do of kindness, giving ourselves a break, taking that bath on a Wednesday afternoon at lunchtime. Yeah. yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be rocket science. Sometimes another big one is obviously seeking help. Yeah. Um you know, I've I've got quite interested in masculinity over the last year. And mm-hmm. obviously, it can be so true for, for women as well. But there's definitely a theme within men, which is, we just grit our teeth and get on with it ourselves, you know, asking for help is a sign of weakness, and all of these sorts of beliefs that we get conditioned to believe as we grow up as kids. Um, and it's actually saying, look, if you want to If you really want to, I describe it as, you know, open that pressure valve Mm. that is often going to require asking for help or at least expressing what you've now acknowledged, which is you're struggling with something maybe. Um, And that can be so therapeutic and healing in its own right, I think.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's it's almost like as men, particularly when you're in a family unit. It's almost like you take on the re- re- role and responsibility that you're the man of the house and you always have to protect, you know, mm. the family unit within the house. And there's almost like if you admit you're struggling or you're not OK with stuff, you, you, you become less of a man or a protector in that house. And it's just not the case. You know, yeah. I've spoken to a couple of clients over the last couple of weeks who have just really struggled. And, you know, I've jumped on the phone with them and said, look, just talk. Let's just talk because it's not as bad or things are not as big as they seem once you've spoken about them. And mm. I think just that simple fact of, of A, acknowledging it and b speaking and just getting it out can really, really help.
1: Yeah, it's huge. It is so huge. And, you know, once you've done it once and you kind of build that, confidence and belief that you can do it then it almost opens up it opens up the door for future um, seeking of help when required but you know this idea of communication is just it's a fundamental aspect of a healthy person so encouraging everyone to do that I think is just so important especially during this time
0: yeah and I agree and I think also if you're able to do that as the adult as the parent you can also then teach the children that it's yeah. okay for them to do that. Because I've found my two boys, you know, obviously they're in their boys. They want to be outside. They're in the house. And, you know, they're often displaying actions or annoying each other or, or stuff like that. When actually that's just the result of how they're feeling, the direct action of what they're taking is actually not the cause mm. the cause is something else that's going on. And if you can just try and stop that situation and diffuse that situation say, you know, what else is going on here, you know, and, and just kind of allow them to kind of let it out. You do, you know, it, it doesn't have to descend into this big kind of, you know, argument and kind of upset in the house.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So in terms of um, like coming back to the diet and everything else, <laughs> what, what's your view on supplementation? Because, you know, if we, if we take it back to the seasonal eating and, and the rainbow plate and everything else, What's your view on supplementation and whether or not we need it?
1: Um, I think my personal view is that the majority of us do need it fundamentally. Uh, And there are different reasons to consider that. One is obviously just the fast paced way of living that most of us are in. Yeah. Um, you can go down obviously and consider the quality of the soil that our food may be grown in and how that could be compromised sometimes that then means that the crops or the foods aren't as nutrient dense as they once were so you've got you've got reasons from the quality of the soil that our food is being grown in through to the quality of our overall environment that we are living in so you know mm-hmm. living in, in a London for example and being exposed to that sort of level of pollution is that increasing our requirement for certain nutrients because we're just utilizing our nutrients at a quicker rate because Mm. certain physiological processes are basically busier than maybe they would have been or could be. So there's all sorts of reasons why I think we're not necessarily meeting the requirement for our nutrients. And certainly in the testing I do, I don't think I've ever seen anyone who's had optimal nutrient status. Um, yeah. so again that comes back to we're living a certain lifestyle that doesn't really match how we are fueling ourselves you know the the commonly used example of you want to use the best quality fuel in an f1 car kind of thing it's the same sort of principle i guess yeah um but then also you know i think it's now 40 percent of gp visits are related to digestive issues So you could also then say, well, actually, there's a lot of people who just aren't digesting and absorbing their food and nutrients as effectively as they should do. And in those situations, do we need to consider obviously supporting and improving gut health, but in the short term, actually trying to support nutrient status as a way to potentially heal the digestive system at the same time. So there's lots of reasons to, to argue that supplements have a role to play. And it's just dependent on how healthy someone's lifestyle is you know yeah but if we're talking from a population level perspective the diet is so poor mm-hmm. that yes we obviously want to be working on that kind of behavioral element of things but obviously the topic of supplements i think they can be really beneficial um, yeah. and i don't think necessarily there are specific ones that we can highlight i mean in the testing B vitamins are often suboptimal, magnesium, zinc, certain antioxidants like vitamin A and uh, alpha acids. There's, there's a wide range that seems to be deficient in the general population. Um, so the question really becomes, why in that individual do we feel they have suboptimal nutrient status? Is there a gut issue? Are they just manically stressed? Is the diet poor? Um, and which of these do they feel they can work on at this point in time because they might not be able to do anything about the deadline at work or the fact that yeah. they've got two young ones and their sleep is just completely messed up. Yeah. Um so it's kind of saying okay well what do you feel is within your control at this point in time. Mm. So I'm not actually against a good quality multivitamin sometimes. Okay. You know I, if you're wanting to you know if there's someone listening and they're like but what should I supplement then I don't think a good quality multi is something to to not consider. Mm. um i know i've started following a couple of people who are trying to raise the awareness of like omega-3 toxicity and the problems of supplementing omega-3 but i don't fully follow this logic and when you look at the research on omega-3 supplementation in, in all sorts of different conditions it's to me seems really obvious that that would be another good consideration dependent obviously on how much oily fish you're consuming if you're having some lovely wild salmon two three times a week there may not be a need um so again there are there are often factors to consider and then you've kind of got what i would describe maybe as some of the bonus um or optimization type supplements so whether that's certain medicinal mushrooms whether that's adaptogens like rhodiola rosea or ashwagandha um, you know i've got i've done some genetic testing on myself and my my phase two detox pathways are just from a genetic predisposition perspective are a pants i think is the technical term (laughs) so um i do do a little bit of detox work every now and again um and to give people a bit of context a, a, a really nice analogy or metaphor that was once given to me is you know there are people often will talk about three phases of detoxification phase one, two and three. Mm -hmm. Uh, And phase one is like you putting your garbage at the end of the driveway. Phase two is the dustbin men coming and picking it up. And phase three could be described as kind of then eliminating it from the actual body. Right. Um, So my phase two, my dustbin men are just like really lazy. Um, so supporting that process just from like a a longevity health optimization preventative sort of perspective Mm. um, makes sense to me basically so again you can you can tailor it to the individual if you have done any form of kind of functional testing as well Mm. Um, and I guess a way to summarize all of this is I think I got this from Chris Cresser, who's a, a functional medicine practitioner out in the states who's very popular Um, And you can have kind of a maintenance program or a therapeutic program when it comes to supplements. So, you know, your therapeutic program will be personalized to you uh, with the intention of healing something. So, you know, maybe you've done a test and maybe you've got some imbalances in the gut microbiome Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. Um, And a practitioner has recommended you some supplements for very specific reasons. Whereas a maintenance program might be something you do kind of day to day as a way to maintain good health
2: yeah
1: and to ensure that in your latter years you are as healthy as possible so that's where you would fit in you know like things like your multivitamin maybe some vitamin d maybe some additional magnesium and omega-3 supplement and that might be it ultimately that kind of covers all of your bases yeah And the final thing on that before um, I'll stop ranting is there's something called the triage theory, which is really interesting. So I think it's Dr. Bruce Ames who um, initially came up with this, I think quite a long time ago, but it's this idea that our body, I describe it as our body's like a distribution center. So it's distributing nutrients to the organs, tissues, cellular pathways where they are required Mm -hmm. but obviously there is a triage system in place because if your heart stops beating that's a problem whereas if your liver becomes a bit sluggish in the way it's working you're still going to wake up tomorrow and be living yeah so your body's distributing your resources your nutrients to the most important life-saving organs glands tissues etc so if you are not providing the body with the appropriate amount of a nutrient that is required for optimal health, you will distribute what you are giving it to the heart or to the lungs, to the right. brain, et cetera. Um, and that's not going to lead to a symptom then and there, but after 30 years of not providing enough nutrient to an organ or a tissue or a metabolic pathway that isn't needed for sort of a life um Giving property, yeah, that's when maybe we end up with osteoporosis or dementia right. or cancer or whatever it may be. So, this triage theory is this idea that we're distributing nutrients to critical processes and we're mm-hmm. sacrificing those that aren't as critical. And yeah. over time, maybe that's one of the ways that we age and what influences how we age. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: that makes sense. And uh, that makes sense. And that, and that, I guess, that's where you know, if you want to make sure you're optimal. Is that, is that really a phrase? You know, you can then go down the testing route. So, you know, I personally, I've done a couple of gut tests, blood tests and DNA tests. Um, But what I will caveat this with is whenever you do this kind of test, always make sure there's a medical practitioner that's kind of deciphering the information because as individuals, we just can't. And if we did, it probably would be quite dangerous. Um, so so in terms of because I know that's something that you do in your practice so if if someone's listening to this and say okay right well for the last year I've really been dialing in my diet you know I've been doing the kind of seasonal eating I've been doing the rainbow plate and I feel okay but I'd like to kind of find out where I can optimize my health further what would you say is the kind of best protocol to follow
1: um I think the first thing to do would be just to have a session with a health practitioner mm-hmm. ultimately because you know that will they will be able to explore your lifestyle they'll be able to yeah. look at the diet they'll be able to, to kind of explore your exercise patterns your sleep patterns the health of the circadian rhythm what you might not be doing that actually would be the first thing really you want to be doing but they'll based on all of that they'll be able to help you obviously decide which test might be most appropriate for you based Mm -hmm. on your overall health and symptoms and, and what you want to get out of that process. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, you could go and look at nutrient status, you could go and look at kind of gut function and health. You could look at hormones the 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 list is ever growing in regards Mm -hmm. to what we can assess ultimately. Um, so we need to be really, we need to make as, educated a decision as possible because a lot of these tests aren't cheap either no. um, so you know you want to make sure you're getting the biggest bang for your buck basically um, and therefore if you speak with a practitioner you know they may even just say you know what your diet isn't your diet needs improving so why spends however much it may be on a nutrient test when actually we know we're going to find deficiencies because of x y and z Mm.
2: um
1: so i would say the majority of people are going to be able to improve their behavior before necessarily going and doing um some sort of broad test to look at their physiology
0: yeah 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 that 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 definitely makes sense and it it just comes back down to kind of keeping it simple as well doesn't it really
1: yeah Um, definitely
0: I guess you can go off on multiple different tangents and like you say you know I definitely have done that you know I I thought well, DNA testing and then you do the gut health test and then you do the blood test and each time I've done a test I've obviously found out various different nuances that have happened and that I can optimize further but I think you make an extremely good point you know we we are in this unique time in so much as We've never had so much access to be able to get this information. However, you know, information can be dangerous, can't it, in the wrong hands?
1: It really can. I mean, we are just in information overloads. Yeah. Um, both the public and quite frankly, practitioners, you know, mm. we can feel overwhelmed with the amount that's out there, the amount that you can do. And it comes back to me sometimes, which is, we just need to strip it back again. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, you can, are you truly eating the, uh, the best diet that you can? Yeah. And, you know, obviously that's a, quite a vague question in some ways, but most people aren't, you know, there are some real fundamental things that a lot of us aren't doing that we probably want to focus on. Yeah. Um, I was speaking to a client this week and she's got a long history of, of health issues for various reasons. And I think we have a tendency to want to go to the test, to so want to go to the supplement, to kind of want to go to our foods because we can control it and it's easier than dealing with some of the potential emotional, psychological yeah. things that often are going on. And I know I've been there myself,
2: yeah.
1: whereby if you look at sort of certain like the health industry, you can see it, whereby we're so hyper-focused on food um, with my background, obviously being in nutritional therapy, that's kind of the lens that a lot of the people I follow, etc. cetera, that's mm. what they talk about. And it's really important, but a lot of people have other areas of life that they really need to be paying as much, if not yeah. more attention to, you know, how truly deeply hand on heart Is your emotional well-being right now? Are you suffering? Going back to what we were speaking about, are you reaching out or are you just trying to struggle through on your own? Mm. Um, Going back to the idea that we've all been traumatized by the last year, you know, what are we doing for ourselves from that perspective? Mm -hmm. And I definitely have clients and I probably, I think, have done this myself to some degree where we kind of go to food because it's so easy to control and we're looking for safety. That's what most of us are always looking for. We want to feel safe ultimately, and we can feel safe if we feel we're in control of the environment and what can we control what we put in our mouth. That's a really easy one. Yeah. Um, so there's got to be this balance between our psychological, emotional, spiritual, and physical world. Mm-hmm. And I think at the moment, at least what I see, um, in clinic and what I kind of see to some degree online is we, we all a lot of us seem drawn to the physical but not yeah. necessarily as much the others um, and it's just trying to make sure you know we're we're at least acknowledging what's going on there and thinking okay well are my emotional needs being met are my spiritual yeah. needs being met are my emotional needs being met and and taking that truly holistic approach to it
0: yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I can definitely resonate with that in, in so much as having that introspective view of yourself or, or just stopping and just feeling how you feel. And that sounds really bizarre to me saying that. But it, I believe it is that because, like you said, it's the physical and the external that we gravitate towards as opposed to just kind of stopping, reflecting you know really analyzing or just kind of sitting with how you're feeling right now and why maybe that's come up for you or whatever
1: yeah and i think um, i think one of the reasons and again i am I'm, I'm making assumptions here and it's it obviously comes from me because it's i'm thinking this yeah um but the other roots you know the emotional the spiritual in my experience they require an element of surrender Mm. And that's not easy for a lot of us, you know, going back to this idea of control and safety, it's like, what happens if I were to truly surrender? Um, And, you know, looking back at experiences I've had in kind of psychedelics and and kind of deep breathwork sessions, it's once I have surrendered where the beauty and the healing kind of takes place at a very deep level. Um, and that was something that came up in that conversation with my client, this idea of, you know, is is surrender and this idea that for so many of us, we're scared of, you know, truly letting down the mask and being like, I am struggling right now. Uh, that's a really bold, courageous thing to do and to be that vulnerable, even if it is with a loved one or if it's with a stranger, a therapist, etc. Yeah. That takes a lot.
0: It does. And I think there's almost, you know, outside of just doing it with a loved one or a strange, there's a fear within you that, wow, if I, if I really stop and reflect on this, what is going to come up, you know, and it's that element that perhaps you're like, no, I'm just going to push that down and you do it subconsciously. I've definitely done it, you know, and it's like, you know, if I'm going to let this out, you know, where's it all going to go? Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think it's, there's a lot of value in it and I think it's courageous in some ways for people to stop and actually do that
1: oh hugely hugely and you're so true though on that point of you know what's gonna what's gonna come up and what am I gonna do because Mm -hmm. I was I was actually reflecting yesterday on it on a similar sort of conversation and we're watching I can't even remember what his name is but basically we're watching a series whereby the presenter goes to kind of different remote areas and he spends a week with people who are kind of living off grid. Sometimes oh. they have no electricity, etc. cetera. <clears throat> um, and I think, and this might sound a little bit extreme to some degree, but when you've had those sorts of experiences, it's another reminder of how dysfunctional society is. And it can be very hard to just go back to Mm. your old way of living and I think that's where certainly for me that's where some of the fear has been I think this idea of well what if I have this profound moment of realization and I want to go and live in a cave for the rest of my life it's like (laughs) well you know then then we kind of have to process that but it's not like you're gonna be forced to do anything so that's where having a therapist if it is through some sort of let's just say obviously something yeah. that's becoming really popular at the moment and well known is kind of the psychedelic renaissance it's like yeah. speak to a therapist who's kind of it got experience in what they called integration therapy so use what comes up as a way to make those small changes in your lifestyle so yeah. go barefoot in the morning for five minutes before the kids are up or after yeah. the kids have been pushed off to school or whatever it may be you know what are some of the actual small changes you can make that are just starting to get you closer to where you would like to be let's say in five ten years time yeah. so a small change that um i'm kind of in the process of making is i really want all of my clothes from now on to be kind of recycled um clothing so you know yeah. making that small uh, gesture to kind of the environment and mm-hmm. things and it's just the little things like that um mm-hmm. I was speaking to Dr. Tom O'Brien that some people will be familiar with. He's kind of a a big guy in the the gut world and the gluten world. And he kind of has that idea in one of his books. He kind of just encourages everyone to once a week change something. So maybe it's changing from plastic Tupperware to kind of glass Tupperware. So you're reducing that toxic exposure. And I love that idea, the idea of just do one thing a week. Don't overwhelm yourself with everything. Um, and that I think is a really nice way to think about our lifestyle because it, as everyone has heard the saying, it's a journey. It's not a destination. Yeah. It's not like you get to health and then you're never going to have worries or struggles again. So it's a matter of just, you know, plodding your way through this life. Yeah. Um, looking for that connection mm. and returning to as natural a way of living as you can within the context of... You know where you are in society and things.
0: Yeah, and I th- I think that's a great point you make in terms of just changing one thing because naturally as humans we like to stay within almost in our lane, what we know and what's comfortable to us and is yeah. predictable. But actually, just maybe going that one degree, changing that one thing, changing your different route as you walk. You know, going to a different shop or you know obviously when we can and just those little it's just triggering different neural pathways in the brain to kind of maybe open up your perspective and i think that's yeah that's a really great point yeah yeah
1: you know the brain loves novelty so you're mm. so right the idea that's i think why so many of us are struggling it's you know we're we've just seen the inside of our homes for god knows how <laughs> yeah. long <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely cool so before we wrap up then uh, alex what would you say a five Tips that you could give the listeners today to kind of take away, whether that's kind of for stress, whether that's nutrition. You know, we've talked about that a lot of stuff today.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, five things. Okay, let's see if I—I'll I'll try and maybe categorise them. Okay. So, I think from a nutrition perspective, um, well, what we've discussed diversity. Yeah. And that covers kind of the rainbow and the weekly target of thirty plus different foods um i'll put it as natural living so respect circadian rhythms Mm -hmm. which could be everything from you know be mindful of your bedtime wake up time try and limit blue light exposure in the evenings maybe get some blue light blocking type glasses for the evenings um and i'm going to say based on what you brought up breathe Mm. you know just come back to the breath whenever you're feeling anxious or stressed The breath is the most powerful tool we have and we know through the the research the impact it can have on things like the vagus nerve or the parasympathetic nervous systems that kind of rest and digest so whenever you're feeling overwhelmed return to the breath Mm -hmm. you know take a deep breath in through the nose sigh it out and just try and let go of that tension i think that can be such a simple but powerful tool for us yeah I guess we've spoken quite a bit around kind of the stress and the emotional side. So Mm. I know it's so easy to say and sometimes so hard to do, but certainly, you know, the concept of reaching out and asking for help. So, i kind of want to say start practicing if it's something that you strong you know you struggle with start practicing it's going to be a journey in its own right of of getting comfortable asking for help essentially and i think i've got one left um hold everything lightly You know, something I've been so guilty of over the years is taking health very seriously, Mm. Um, not just my own health, but helping others try and get healthy again as well. And again, I guess, you know, we know the power of humor in medicine. Um, There's some amazing research out there on the importance of humor in the healing therapeutic process. So, you know, yes, it's kind of serious, but it doesn't mean that we can't have fun along the way which kind of then comes back to this idea of balance with all of this as well. You know, it can be very serious, but you've got to be able to kind of laugh about it at the same time, sometimes. So don't take yourself too seriously. For me, is a a nice one.
2: Yeah.
0: I think that's a brilliant one. The last one, because I think I've, I've been reading a lot of stuff about play, about the fact that we as adults, we lose that ability to play. Yeah. Like you say, don't take yourself too seriously you know so um yeah i think that's a fantastic point to end on Alex. so thank you very much for coming onto the podcast today thank you uh, so if people want to connect with you what's your kind of socials your website and all that kind of good stuff
1: yeah so uh people can learn i guess more about me or what i'm involved in at either healthpath.com um exhale.co.uk or alexmanos.co.uk um, I'm primarily on Instagram, so if people are on social and want to kind of follow or check me out there, my handle is um, Alexander Manos. Um, I think that's everything. Really,
0: yeah, that's great. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, definitely check out your Instagram because it's <laughs> so good. Really, really thank good. you. And I like learn so much from it. So yeah, awesome. keep doing what you're doing. Um, thank you very much again, and I look forward
1: to speaking to you again in the future. Likewise, thanks, Darren.
0: thanks for listening to the fitter healthier dad podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please hit subscribe and i would really appreciate if you could leave a review on itunes all the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes and a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com